Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the weekly podcast of Center Church San Diego. We are so happy to connect with you online today. You matter to God. You really do. Whatever your past, no matter what your circumstance right now, God loves you. And you belong right here. Hope starts now as we invite Christ to take his rightful place at the center of our lives. So let's jump in. You ever met somebody that uh, maybe later you wish you hadn't? (laughs) Today, we're going to be kicking off and and, kind of jumping into week two of our series, Guardrails. And we'll be talking mostly about relationships and the relational dynamic. Now, if you're like me, uh, and you kind of look back on your life, I would imagine that at some point you've met someone that you kind of regret meeting, right? And you, am I alone in that? No? Okay. Maybe if that's you, <clears throat> don't don't uh, poke any elbows, don't look down the aisle, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> um, but uh, I would imagine that at some point you've probably regretted meeting a person or two. Here's what we found, here's what I found at least, is that in our lives, the greatest source of regret is sometimes people we've met, Right? And maybe if that's not you personally, maybe it's a little too close to home, uh, I would imagine that maybe your spouse, your significant other, has possibly met somebody that you uh, maybe regret them meeting. Or maybe they're your kids, right? If you have kids, uh, maybe you've regretted them meeting some, some different people that are out there. And uh, I, I would imagine that our greatest regrets are often uh, from relationships. And if you look back in your life, you can kind of attest to that, Okay. And so that's really something that we need to think about. It's something that we need to contemplate uh, fairly heavily. So today we're going to be talking mostly about relationships uh, and what that looks like in our life. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders around here. Uh, if you don't know who I am, it's because I don't ever really get up here and speak a whole lot. Um, but I promised my wife I would uh, not break the church. Um, and, uh, and I still rock my flip-flops. So... Uh, Jesus wore flip-flops, and so I'm trying to just be like him, right? That's the idea. I had somebody earlier said that they're like Jesus cleats. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, so I wear those whether it's uh, 50 degrees outside or not. It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> but guardrails, why guardrails, right? And so we have this, this definition of guardrails that I wanted to kind of throw up. They'll throw this up here as we talk through it. But guardrails are a safety system designed to prevent some, something or someone from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. It's a safety system, right? So what that means, it's a system. It means it was designed intentionally. It wasn't by accident, right? It's an intentional process or a path or a track, right, that's meant to keep us going the right direction, okay? It's meant to keep us from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Purpose of guardrails are kind of twofold. So the first thing that you'll have in your outline there is one, the purpose of guardrails is to direct and protect us. When you're driving on the road, right, and you see guardrails that are coming up, they often, they they won't like hit a T, right? You won't crash right into a guardrail, right? I was driving uh, this morning out here and just kind of watching the freeway as we go, right? And guardrails are often going around the bends and the curves, right? They go with our life, right? But the idea is that they're meant to direct us in a particular direction and protect us from mistakes or errors or different things in our life, right? Now, so the thing with with guardrails, though, and you can throw that picture up for me, is that they are meant to be in the safety zone, right? You don't ever come across a guardrail that's going to be in the danger zone, right? If you're driving, uh, anybody drive down the freeway and love coming across those areas of construction where the barrier that's there gets right up on that line, right? Anybody love that? 
they just like enjoy driving that way, right? No, no, you move over. You're like, I don't want, this is stressing me out, right? It's because guardrails aren't meant to be on the line. They're not meant to be close to that danger zone. They're meant to have some sort of a buffer or a margin for error, right? That's the idea. Now check this out. And I'll, I'll, uh, you guys can roll that video for me real quick. Uh, this is sometimes what we do in our life, right? We love to drive fast, go and do a little bit of drifting, right? Oh, yeah. Now, you guys can kind of get the idea, right? Guardrails are important. That make everybody, anybody's stomach go, oh, my goodness. Look at that drop-off, right? This guy's like, I'm okay. Don't worry about it, right? I'll be all right. Why is he okay? Look at that. That's scary. He's okay because of the guardrails. Now, here's the thing. This is why, that's, by the way, that's why women live longer than men, okay? Because I can promise you, right, that some, some guy was like, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Let's put a road on this mountain, right? Let's have it go around the edges. And then some probably woman said, you know, if you're going to do that, let's put something around the ends too so that you don't go flipping off the end of that thing, right? Why, why men don't live as nearly as long as women, okay? <clears throat> but that's, that's what happens in our lives, right? And that's what guardrails are meant to serve a purpose for us, to, to direct us and protect us. Here's the second thing that they're meant to do, is they're meant to minimize damage. When you hit a guardrail, right, and you use that, that video as an example, right, it minimized the damage that could have happened to the vehicle and to that person, right? He's probably going to have to go take that thing to a repair shop, get it fixed a little bit, right, <clears throat> work out some of the dents. But if those guardrails hadn't been there, the consequences to that drifting, to that driving, to, to going as fast as you possibly can are devastating. So they're meant to minimize damage. The reason that we've named this series Guardrails is because what we've come across is that we know, we know this deep down inside, that in particular areas of our lives, we need to have some sort of boundary or guardrail. Sometimes when it comes to our finances or our relationships, or our professional life, right? Sometimes in our faith or the people we hang out with, we need to establish healthy guardrails. Now, the problem is sometimes I'll, I'll get a little pushback on this, right? <clears throat> and, and if you really kind of just evaluate the world, the truth is that culture doesn't encourage guardrails, right? If you, if you look at the world, culture doesn't encourage guardrails at all, right? And, and, and there's a few reasons why. It's because culture lives in more of a content that's about painted lines, right? They don't want these guardrails because what, what does it do? It exposes areas of, of other people's lives that they know they probably should have something up in place to protect them. Culture is content with painted lines. Now, I, I've lived in San Diego my entire life, and I know so, uh, San Diego's uh, an awesome place to live because so many people come here from other states or even other countries. And because I've lived here in San Diego my entire life, I know this to be true. San Diego has the worst drivers, right? Some of you guys are like, yes, absolutely, right? Okay, San Diego drivers are terrible. Now, here's what I love, but here's what I love about San Diego drivers, right? Now, you guys, you guys have probably driven down the 805 freeway, right? The 805, just about a year ago, they put, now if you haven't, if you don't know anybody down in Chula Vista, you probably haven't driven on the, on the 805, okay? But I'm from down, I'm from down in, my, in that hood, okay? I live down there, <clears throat> And they put in uh, these uh, HOV lanes, or as my, my kids like to call them, the Hov lanes, right? And these are, these are the carpool lanes, okay? <clears throat> and, and here's what I love about San Diego drivers, right? You're driving down these HOV lanes, and they're the double-painted lines. Now, for those of you who didn't know, 
if it's a double painted line, it means you're not supposed to cross over it. Okay? Do you, you know that? No? Okay, right. Okay. Now, here's the thing, though. We don't care, right? We're just like, I don't care. You drive down the 805, I promise you, you will see it on a daily basis, probably once every five minutes. Somebody's got to get off on 8th Street, and they're like, oh, well, let's just keep going, right? They're like, hey, look out, I'm coming your direction, right? But here's the thing. That's true in our culture, too, right? We know it's illegal. We ain't supposed to do that, but we do it anyways, Culture has that same perspective. They know that they're probably not supposed to do that, but instead of having an actual barrier, a guardrail in place, they got these double-painted lines, and they go, eh, let's just do it anyways. It's not the end of the world. The real interesting thing, though, on this is, and you've probably experienced this, right, is that in culture, they, people will sometimes respect the boundaries that we put in our lives, the guardrails, right? <clears throat> but a lot of times, culture doesn't like these guardrails. Why? Because personal guardrails are really more like personal rules, right? Like it's a set of beliefs that I establish for myself, right? And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't like rules. My wife knows I don't follow stupid rules, right? <laughs> and and that's, just, like, that's just a personal philosophy, right? But, but, but culture doesn't like following rules, right? Because it exposes something in their own lives that they recognize they, they don't value or they don't like or they don't, wanna, they don't want to adhere to, right? So culture in general... If you establish healthy guardrails or boundaries in your life, they'll often criticize us. They'll judge us. They'll poke fun at us. And if you have healthy boundaries or guardrails, and for some reason you still mess up, they'll be very quick to criticize you. Very quick to point out all of these things, right? I mean, just look at the media. Look at the culture that we live in, right? We, we have these, these, these kids who live this YOLO life, right? Now, for those of you who are a little bit older, YOLO means you only live once, okay? Just to, to kind of to help you out there a little bit, okay? <clears throat> I, know, I know some of these, these youths in the front, they're like, yeah, that's a, that's, like, we don't really use that anymore. Uh, my son was like, we, we don't say that. And I was like, all right, fine, leave me, <laughs> leave me alone, okay? That's okay. But, but, but what, what's that culture about? That culture is about go fast. Forget the consequences. Don't worry about it. I mean, look, look at, if you watch the media, and I avoid TV because I, 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 don't, I don't like the, the negativity and all those things, right? But TMZ, I know you all watch that, right? You guys pop it on every so often, right? Just to see what celebrity broke up with so-and-so, right? You look at it to see whose lives are in ruin, right? Culture is very quick to point out when somebody fails, right? You, you, you guys are with me on that, right? So here's, here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about kind of three, three areas of relationships that need guardrails. Here's the first, family. <clears throat> now, like I said, you guys may not know this, but I don't, get to, I don't preach very often, right? I don't, I don't get up in front and, uh, and speak very often. So my family today is one entire row, right? And I told Ronnie when we got here this morning, I said, hey, uh, you're going to want to put some extra chairs out. Uh, and he was like, he was like, why? I was like, because I'm preaching and my entire family is going to be here. <laughs> it's like, and they invited some friends and they're going to be here too. I was like, this is guaranteed, right? But family, family dynamics are interesting, aren't they? I don't know what kind of a family dynamic you grew up in, but I would bet that you've had more conflict, more issues, more arguments, more fights with family than you have any other area of your life, right? 
Now, I'll tell you this, though. We're not going to focus so much on the family dynamic in my talk today. We're going to really look at two other areas. But the truth is, what I'm going to talk about as it relates to two relationships and establishing guardrails applies to your family as well, right? Because we all know that family has got that 35-year-old kid still living at home, right? Or that pastor's kid who's like the worst behaved one out of all of them, right? <clears throat> but these things that I'm going to talk about, they apply to those family relationships. Are those in-laws who are a little too overbearing? No? Yeah? Okay. Anyways, that's not my family. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, but here's here's the second area is is friends, and friends are an important one, right? These are the people that we choose to be around, the, the people that we we hang out with, the people that in our off time we go spend time with, and the third is acquaintances. And I'm going to give you a second to write that out because I misspelled that three times this week. <coughs> acquaintances. This is maybe coworkers, right? People who you wouldn't quite consider to be your friends people that you hang out with all the time, but you do spend a lot of time with them, which means that they're going to have a lot of influence. Now, this is, this is I believe this is a really important topic, uh, but at the same time, it can be fairly complex, right? Because sometimes, like, we're used to just hearing a message on a Sunday that's really all about, like, right versus wrong, right? And you know where that falls. But relationships and relational guardrails aren't, aren't that clean cut. They're complicated. They're complex, Right? And so today's, we're really going to lean into talking about this category, this idea of wisdom. What is wisdom? And how do you use wisdom as it relates to our relationships? Because our relationships are a really, really, really important aspect of our life. Now, a little bit of pushback that I'll, I'll kind of get, I think, from some, some, from some folks. And I've, I've heard this this last week. I, I practiced this talk like 15 times, Right. And, uh, and, and it kind of drove my wife crazy. But let me be real. When you get up here, right, if you've seen me up here hosting before, I don't wear nice shirts. I don't wear slacks, right? I'll still rock those flip-flops. But I'm all about that Padres gear, right? And so my wife was like, no, you're going to look uh, decent, right? <laughs> and you're going to make sure you say the right things. So I practiced this a lot uh, as we were going over it. But, but here's, here's what some hesitancy, some pushback can sometimes be, right? Is when it comes to relationships, right, there's this, there's this premise, there's this idea that, that maybe it can come across as a little harsh. That, that we're being a little judgmental, right? And the, the church traditionally has had this, this perspective that people have put upon it of being judgmental, right? And so I, I want to kind of clarify, I want to I outline kind of a, 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 a combination of two things that I really think matter when it relates to evaluating relationships. And it's kind of two things, being judgmental versus exercising good judgment, okay? There's a big difference between the two of those, and I want to outline that real quick before we get into additional things. And for some of those of you guys who are like, where's that fill-in? It's not in there. Sometimes I just use these to help me make sure that I'm talking about the right thing, right? (laughs) But being judgmental, being judgmental is about me forming an opinion of you, being critical of you with some sort of hope or desire that you change the way you're behaving or acting. That's what being judgmental is, right? What I'm talking about today isn't about being judgmental. What I'm talking about today is is exercising good judgment. This isn't about the other person. This is about me. This is about you. So, So my hope and my goal out of this whole thing is that you would walk away from today's talk with some some good tools on how you can actually exercise better judgment in our relationships, using wisdom to do that. 
Because sometimes we have our judgment, right, is based off of a handful of different things. But exercising good judgment, exercising good judgment is based off of the past experiences that I had, right, learning from those, looking at my current circumstances, right, whether that's a new relationship, possibly a new job, and looking at the future that I'm hoping to have happen and, and making a choice and a decision in the current circumstance with the future in mind. That's what exercising good judgment is all about. Being judgmental assumes something about the other person, that I'm trying to change them or do something with them. Using good judgment is about me and what I want to have happen in my life. Now, I want to give you a couple good examples of of, uh, exercising good judgment versus being judgmental, right? I know most all of you guys can agree with this and attest to this, right? Growing up, if you had a good family or any, any ounce of family, right, uh, and if you think back to kind of your high school days, maybe your, your middle school days, right, and you had friends, right, your parents were paranoid, right? Anybody with me on that one, right? Girls, you ever have your mom go in your room, grab your diary, start reading, trying to figure out your stuff, right? You get all aggro, freak out, and be like, <laughs> I saw some of the high schoolers in here, like, yep, that's happening to me right now, right? So she's like, let's not talk about that. Don't worry about that, right? But I, I promise you, Every person in here, right, at one point or another, <clears throat> thought that their parents were being judgmental of their friends, right? That always happened. That always happened, right? Now, here's the thing. I, I have five absolutely amazing, gorgeous kids, okay? My oldest is 10 years old, and he went to uh, our, our youth uh, event uh, convention a couple uh, last night, actually, and the night before. And, uh, and I've, I've, like, my, my family knows this. I have a very particular perspective on my kids and, and them growing up, right? And here's the truth. If you've got kids now, and they're young, and they're growing up, right, you are paranoid-er, right? Because you know, you know the days we live in, right? And why are you, why are you paranoid-er? Because you know you. <laughs> you know how you were, Right? You know now what your mama knew back then, right? That you're trouble. I'm, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Your, your parents, they did things, right? And, and maybe, maybe they, they told you, you know, you can't hang out with that person. Or maybe they told you, no, you can't date him or her, right? Maybe they even up, picked up and moved you to a different school, right? Or they moved to a new neighborhood, right? Because they, they were trying to protect you. Right? And if you're a parent now, you kind of know this. When you're on the receiving end of it, you're like, you're being so judgmental. But in reality, right, they're trying to exercise good judgment in the area of relationships. And the reason they're doing this is because they care. Right? If you have kids, you know that the reason you're doing this is you're willing to take a couple pokes in the eye from your kids. Right? Because, Because you're trying to exercise good judgment. Because God has put that person, that son or that daughter in your house, in your care. And you want to watch out for them when it comes to their relationships. But as an adult, how often do we do that for ourselves? How often do we establish healthy guardrails? As an adult, we can see that in our kids and their friends, right? But how often do we see that in our own relationships? Here's what I want you to write down. This is kind of that next, that next point. Relationships determine the direction and the quality of our lives. They determine the direction and the quality of our lives. The thing that makes relationships or friendships great is also the same thing that can make them hazardous, 
right? What happens when you, when you have friends and you have acquaintances and you have people hanging out, right? It's typically because you have things in common with them, right? You like to do things with them, activities, whatever it is, right? And what happens is when you're hanging out with those people, you start to relax, right? You let your guard down, right? And that's a good thing when you're in good relationships. But when you don't really know those people very well and you let your guard down, bad things can sometimes happen, right? Now, I did a lot of reading and research uh, this last week. I spent more time working on this than I think I did anything else. Um, and, uh, and, and I watched lots of, po- I listened to a lot of podcasts. I watched a lot of videos. Uh, I, I, I checked out other sermon series. People were talking about this. And I just want to kind of throw this out there as like a side note. <clears throat> if uh, I ended up stealing a lot of this stuff from other, pe- other pastors and other people, okay, I'm just, just putting it out there. And if you have this like false idea that anybody who's up here preaching doesn't do the same thing, consider that bubble burst, okay? Because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, okay, this is, am I right, Josh? A hundred percent, right? He's like... Preach, brother. He knows, right? This, it is, here's the thing though, right? I'm 32 years old, okay? And, and I know that there's a lot more wisdom and there's a lot more content and people who've been before me who I can honestly just flat out, I'm just going to steal all their stuff. <laughs> Be like, that's, that's it, right? 100%, okay? <laughs> so consider that bubble burst. <clears throat> you see, guardrails though, Guardrails aren't just about me staying in my lane, right? Guardrails serve a second, a second purpose, right? And even outside of this. The other thing that they do is they protect other people from coming into my lane, right? Guardrails, those barriers, right? They protect people from coming into my lane. It's one of the things I absolutely love about downtown San Diego, right? You got all these one-way streets, and it's guaranteed almost on the daily that somebody goes the wrong direction driving to downtown, right? Because people aren't used to it. They don't know that. But guardrails, guardrails are, help, are, are created also to help other people from coming into my lane. And I want to give you just a, a practical thing you can use this week. Because something, something that I had uh, kind of learned and, and took from another uh, pastor this week that I was like, I'm using that because that's really good, right? And sometimes you'll come across people in your life um, who are weird. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, right? But but you kind of you kind of have that filter, right? Where you're like, I don't know, I don't know if this is the right thing, right? Like like I don't know if this is the right business relationship. I don't know if this is the right possible friendship. I don't know where this really is going. I don't know what this is, right? And you in and in your core, right? This is my wife. My wife. I, I I talked to my wife through this one. She was like, I would never say that. I would never say that. I was like, I would. <clears throat> but, but here's what I know. Even if you don't say it, if you're thinking it, you'll figure out a way to keep a healthy guardrail and boundary. And here's what it is, okay? I'm not emotionally mature enough to go into business with you. I'm not emotionally mature enough to go to that event, to go to that party. I'm not emotionally mature enough to, to, to do that thing. And the reason that I like that as a, as a resource, right, is because it takes the onus off of them having a bad perspective. It's about me. Right, like if you if you if you've ever gone to um, Celebrate Recovery, which is a, a program uh, with folks who are in recovery, right? Either drug addiction, um, even divorce care uh, is a is a part of that stuff, um, or AA or anything like that, right? They they're very clear, right? The best way to avoid getting into trouble is to not put yourself in an environment where that's going to happen, right? So what we're doing with this context is saying, hey, I'm not judging you. 
Like, you, you can do, do, do you, boo, right? I knew that was a Josh phrase. <laughs> uh, he knows. <laughs> do your thing, right? But me, I don't know that, I don't know that that's a wise thing for me to do. I don't know that that's, I don't know that I'm mature enough to be able to put myself in that environment and to come out in the right direction, right? And so I, I took that from, uh, from another pastor. Um, so, so you can, uh, you can use that or not use that or just keep it in the back of your head. Okay. But at the core of what we're at, right, is people and our friends, they influence us a lot more than we really give them credit for. And I, I want to kind of just walk you through a couple of things that I, that I also learned this last week. Uh, there's this, uh, neuroscientist, his name's Morin Cerf. You can look him up. Uh, I did a lot of research on his stuff this last week, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, listening to him. He is a business professor, uh, but also a neuroscientist uh, on staff at Northwestern University. And for the last 10 plus years, okay, he's been studying the relationship about decision making and the correlation between relationships and decision making. The relationship between those two things. And, And what he's observed is that when we're influencing people, that it's not just behavioral, it's actually neurological. Something happens in our brains when we are surrounded or around other people. Here's what he says. This is a quote of his. I got a couple of them for you. The more we study engagement, we see time and time again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. So look down that aisle. Next week, you might need to pick a new section. You, you, you didn't even catch it. No, no, no. You didn't even catch it. It just happened. It just happened. Words came out of my mouth, right? <clears throat> Vibrations went through the ear, through the air. Your brain interpreted them as words. It was a joke. You laughed with people you've never met before. The room just came together as a result. The neurofrequencies that happen in our brains are a result of the people that we are in proximity with. It's not just behavioral, it's neurological. Here's what he goes on to say. If people want to maximize happiness, I know that's me, and they want to minimize stress. Anybody else want to maximize happiness, reduce some stress, right? Then you should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding yourself with people who embody the traits that you prefer. Because here's what happens, right? When you're around a group of people, who you know, eh, I don't necessarily want to do what they're doing, right? What do you have to do? You have to make a conscious decision not to do what they're doing, right? That's not relaxing. That ain't easy, right? So if you surround yourself with people who are already doing the things that you know you want to do, it leads to a happier, less stressed life. Fascinating, isn't it? Here's what he goes on to say. Over time, they'll naturally pick up those desirable attitudes and behaviors just by being in proximity. No effort required. Doing life with people is going to force you to go in a particular direction. We see this happen all the time with youth, right? <clears throat> if you didn't know this, you are a uh, acceptance magnet, right? We long for acceptance, right? And you'll see this happen with youth a lot, right? Where they'll, they'll, they'll be invited and accepted into a group of people that they really, like, from the outside, be like, they don't even fit in that group, right? But what happens over time? They start looking more and more like that group. 
Because we're acceptance magnets. We want to be accepted. We want to feel easy and at home and safe, right? And we have a hard time establishing guardrails. So if this is true, if this idea that, that our brain waves function the way that they do, and we, we are naturally attracted to relationships, and just by being in proximity, it's going to change our behavior and our attitudes, what do we do with that? We have, to, we have to leverage and establish healthy guardrails in the relationships that could be coming in our lives. And here's what I love about this, right? Here's what I love about the Bible, by the way, is the more research I do, and I'm, I'm a giant nerd. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I wear glasses, and I own it, okay? I, I love reading. I read more than anybody you probably come across. I, on my 15 minutes to work every morning, I'm listening to some sort of audio book or podcast or something, and I read a lot. I'm a giant nerd. Okay, I love brain. I love, I love all of it. Okay, I'm just, I'm a nerd. I know that's not a lot of you guys, but that's how I function. You know what I love about the Bible? Before we had neuroscientists and before we had these clinical studies and all these trials, there's wisdom in that book that transcends what we've seen over the last 3,000 years. 100%. 3,000 years ago, there was this guy named Solomon. Okay, now if you don't know who he is, okay, he has been deemed the wisest man to ever live. Okay, and before we had Morin Surf and we had these neurological studies, okay, we had a guy named Solomon. Now Solomon was was the king of the Israelites. He was the third king. Okay, we had Saul, we had David, and David's son was Solomon. Now Solomon came into being king in some not so like nice circumstances. Okay, and we're going to read through kind of how he became king and why he is someone we should look to for wisdom in our lives. Okay, we're going to pick this story up in 2 Chronicles. It says, that night, the night that Solomon was, was made king, God appeared to Solomon, and he said, what can I give you? Solomon responded to God, you've shown great love to my father David, and you made me king in his place. Now, Lord, you've kept your promise you made to my father David. You've made me king who are as numerous uh, to people who are as numerous as specks of dust on the ground. Now, just pause there for a second, Okay. I, I own a small business, and I have about 45 people who, are, who work for us. And I'll tell you, it's stressful, okay? It is difficult to manage that many relationships. Imagine waking up one day, and you're president of the United States. you got 350 million people you're responsible for. That's what happened to Solomon. Would you be a little stressed? Would you be a little worried, right? So Solomon prays to the Lord, okay? And God comes to him and says, what can I give you, Right? man, can I use one of those? Anybody else, right? (laughs) But here's what he says. He says, give me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. After all, who can judge this great people of yours? God replied to Solomon, I know this request is from your heart. You didn't ask for riches, fortunes, honor, or the death of those who hate you. You didn't even ask for a long life. Instead, you asked for wisdom and knowledge to judge my people over whom I've made you king. So wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. I will also give you riches, fortunes, and honor like no other king before or after you. You know what I love about this? It's right there in verse 12. It says, so wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. It's not something for him to go get. God gave it to him. Here's here's my outpouring of wisdom and knowledge on you, Solomon, because you asked for that. So that's not something to me, right? Just, and this is just me being, again, a nerd, right? If, if the person who sought wisdom and knowledge got it directly from God, right? 
it would probably be smart for me to tap into what that guy's got, right? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at what did Solomon write. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, if you didn't know that. Now, here's the thing. I'm 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 a big reader, but I'll be honest, I sometimes struggle to read the word, okay? I'm with you on that, okay? But here's what I want to encourage you to do. The book of Proverbs is like the easiest book of the Bible to read. Because they're like one-sentence little nuggets that you could just take every single day, right? And there's so many different versions of the Bible. Go find an awesome version and read one little nugget a day. Here's what Proverbs 1 says. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king. Written down so we know how to live well and right. To understand what life means and where it's going. Guardrails. A manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes, and to give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also for seasoned men and women, still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. So we're all about taking the next step here at Center Church, right? And it's why we, we leverage those connection cards so heavily. We, we want you to be a part of what's going on here in, in that regard. On that connection card today, before we wrap up, will you please make a commitment to read something out of Proverbs? Because here's, here's what I know to be certain. <clears throat> that, that book of the Bible contains more wisdom and more knowledge than you'll ever come across in your day-to-day life. And if you have a hope and a desire to have healthy relationships and guardrails established in your life, that's the best place to start. When I turned 18, uh, I did what most uh, other kids do. Uh, I went out and I got a tattoo. Right? Anybody else? They were like, yeah, I'm doing it, right? Now, I'm a, I'm a little bit different. When I was in high school, uh, I walked away from church. I, I grew up in the church, but I walked away from the Lord. I walked away from church. Uh, and when I turned 18, um, I had kind of kind of turn, turned back and, and gone back to the church. Uh, and, and I knew growing up that who you surround yourself with makes a big impact on your life. Right? And so I got a tattoo uh, of a verse. Uh, it's Proverbs 13:20, And you've maybe heard this before, but we're going to kind of talk a little bit about this because I think this speaks volumes about the concept of wisdom and establishing guardrails in our lives. Here's what it says in Proverbs 13:20: Walk with the wise and become wise. Just pause right there for a second. Leave this up here for me if you can. Walk with the wise and become wise. I've seen this happen in my own life. I've, I've had many people tell me uh, over the years, and it's flattering, but it's not to my own credit, that I'm wise beyond my years. And the truth is, the only reason that that's happened in youth, for most of you guys sitting in the first, like, three rows, can I tell you, so who you surround yourself with is going to have a bigger impact in your life than any conscious choice you make, period. Any career you go down, okay, any college you go to, Who you surround yourself with is going to have a bigger impact in your life. And from the time I was 18 years old, I surrounded myself with other pastors and people who were at least 10 years older than me. A lot. A lot of them. Most of the people I was hanging out with were 10 to 15 to 20 years older than me. And, I I mean, a lot of people were like, that's really kind of weird. You don't hang out with people your own age? No, because they're dumb. (laughs) Right? I know it's a joke, but let's be real, right? If I, see, now here's the thing though. I knew what I wanted out of my life, right? And here's, here's wisdom. What, what, what is wisdom, right? Wisdom is an understanding, okay, that what happened in the past determines my present. And my present determines my future. Let me say that again. 
Wisdom is an understanding that my past, my experiences, determine my present. They've gotten me to where I am. And the choices I make in my current present determine what's going to happen to me in the future. Okay? That is wisdom. So when you walk with the wise, you walk with people who have more experience or are wiser than you are, you're going to become wise. He goes on to say, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what I love about the second part of this thing? Is it doesn't say a companion of fools becomes a fool. It says a companion of fools suffers harm. Think about that. Why does that matter? Because here's what happens. When you surround yourself with people who are foolish, who don't have control of their life, then their life inevitably explodes. You get hit by the shrapnel. Right? You suffer the harm as a result of that relationship. Right? And it has, it's not that you're going to become just like them and you're going to be a fool, but you're going to deal with some of the consequences. Okay? And here's what I want you to know. <clears throat> Friends who aren't careful, careful with their lives, they're not going to be careful with your life. Friends or acquaintances or people who don't care about their health, who don't care about their marriages, okay, who don't care about their finances, people who don't care about their reputation, who don't worry about or don't have a faith, they're not going to care about your life. They don't care about theirs. Let's just be real about that. Friends who don't take care of themselves won't take care of yourself. The point of a guardrail is to light up our conscience before we veer into the danger area, right? And I'm almost done here. I got five, five kind of things that I want to go over with you guys, and we'll be done here in just a few minutes. The point of a guardrail is to spark a thought in your mind. That's what an emotional and relational guardrail is. Okay, I like to kind of call these uh, these five things conversations I have with myself, right? Because your consciousness, right, is the first key to an alert in establishing healthy guardrails in your life. Okay, and so what happens a lot of times with folks, and, and this happens to me all the time too, is we start to drift a little bit, right? Now, for those of you guys who never saw Tokyo Drift, right, what happens when you drift? And I know some, I know some of you guys used to do this back in high school, so don't, don't, don't mess with me, right? <clears throat> you start, you go, right? You turn one direction, the back end starts to go a little bit, and you have to correct and go the other, the opposite direction for you to maintain. Or what's going to happen? You're going to spin out, right? So these guardrails are that correction. When you start to feel yourself drift, this is that correction. Here's five things. I want you to write these things down. When you notice that you're changing lanes, it may dawn on you that the core group of people that you are surrounding yourself with aren't going the same direction of your life. When it dawns on you that the people that you are in proximity to aren't going the direction that you have for your life, the, the hopes and the dreams that you have, that's how you know you're changing lanes. That should be a big red alert because relationships, they're not static. Relationships don't just stay. There's no like status quo in relationships. They're either growing or they're decaying, right? So if, if the people you're with, in proximity with, if they're going a particular direction, you have to make a conscious decision to say, am I going the same direction as them? Do I want to do that? Number two is pretending to be somebody else. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone, then you know you truly are. Don't, don't stay in, in that kind of a relationship because at its core, right, when you're pretending to be someone else, you're lying to that person. You're not, you're not actually like them, right? And you're lying to yourself. 
So when you, when you feel yourself pretending to be someone else to fit into that group, or you feel yourself pretending to be somebody else for that person to like you, to be accepted, that's a, that's a huge red flag. Three, pressure to compromise. When you feel pressure to compromise on whatever belief or system of beliefs that you may have, when you have pressure to compromise, when something that has never been a temptation before is now suddenly on the table as a viable live option, you know that you're, you're experiencing some pressure to compromise. When that person invites you to that thing and you're like, nah, I don't really do that. And then you're driving home and you go, yeah, you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be the end of the world. That's pressure to compromise, and that should be a big red flag. That's an awareness of consciousness to, to understand that there's a guardrail that needs to be established there. Number four, attendance without participation. And I know that's a long one right in there. Attendance without participation. When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Let me ask you a question. Would that fly with your 14-year-old daughter? No! No way, Right? If, you're, if, if my daughter, if she gets a little older, came home and said, Dad, I'm going to go out with, uh, with some friends. There's going to be 12 boys, and it's just me and one, one girlfriend. I'd be like, uh, you got two options. Either you stay home or I'm coming with you. Right? Right? And so, and so if we don't have that expectation on our children, why in the world would we think we're, able, we're capable of anything other than that? This idea that, that you can say to yourself, I'll go, but I'm just not going to participate. Why even put yourself in that environment? Right? That's, that's a toxic and a bad place to go with. Number five is going off the grid. When you hope that the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. When you hope that the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. Even if it's not illegal. I'm not saying that you're doing something illegal. But if you at any point think to yourself, I wouldn't want to have to say this or tell so-and-so where I'm at. Or I wouldn't want them to ask me where I'm at. Now, again, some of these are going to apply to others. Some, some aren't. But if you are off the grid and you, you are telling yourself, I'm okay where I'm at, that's a big red flag. Because this, this is the nucleus of a lie. It's the nucleus of, of damaging those relationships and putting yourself in an environment that's going to hurt you as well. So why, why am I so adamant about this? And the truth is, I've seen, I've seen, I'm, I'm a big reader. I'm, I'm an observant person. I've seen relationships after relationships after relationships. And I know that when you establish healthy guardrails in your life, that it can make a big impact. The friends that we surround ourselves with, the acquaintances, the people we surround ourselves with, still determine the outcome of our life. People tomorrow are going to wake up. And they're going to go into the bathroom, they're going to stand in front of the mirror, and they're going to go, whose life is this? How did I get here? The reason that happens is because they drift. We drift and we don't even realize it. Because we don't have healthy guardrails in the areas of our relationships. You know, back in the day, Jesus, uh, Jesus obviously taught a lot of people a lot of different things, right? And what, one of the things that would often happen is Jesus would have these interactions with the Pharisees, right? These were the religious leaders and scholars back in the day. And they would, they would, uh, would kind of have a counter-argument to everything he'd say, right? And so, so there's this verse in, in Luke uh, that I love where Jesus, I would imagine, he kind of just threw up his hands, right? He's trying to teach these people, and the Pharisees are giving this counter-argument. And here's what he said. Wisdom is proved right by all her children. Let that sink in for a second. He goes, you know what? I'm trying to teach you guys something here, but you don't want to listen to what I have to say. You're going to give me some sort of counter-argument. Wisdom is proved right for all her children. Wisdom has the last word. 
Wisdom's got the last set bad, okay? And what that means is that even if you make a conscious choice not to do any of the things I'm talking about, wisdom is going to prove you either right or wrong. Because I know that there's a lot of people here who, you guys are smart people. You could probably come up with a counter-argument to a lot of things I've talked about today. But at the end of the day, I've seen more, I've seen a lot of relationships. I've seen a lot of guardrails not be established. And wisdom has the last bit bad. Paul says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is why we emphasize small groups. This is why we want you connected into into smaller groups of people that uh, meet outside of just a Sunday service. Because what ends up happening is those people become a filter for you in your relationships, right? And here's the thing. I don't, I'm like, we don't encourage people to get plugged into a church and to, like, forsake every other relationship that they have. That's not healthy. It's not wise. It's not good, right? It's not kingdom-minded. It's not purposeful. But there should be some relationships that you have in your life that become your guardrails, and they filter out other relationships that you have. Because here's the bottom line. Establish guardrails because you'll be happy you did or you'll wish you had. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing us here this morning. I pray for every person who's sitting in a chair here that you would speak to them in a particular area of their life, Lord, that they need to establish healthy guardrails in their relationships. Would you awaken their consciousness, God? Would you speak and have your Holy Spirit speak into their life in areas that that they know they need guardrails? Would you surround them with people who are going to help them establish those guardrails? And would you give them the wisdom to continue to seek you in those areas in 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 their relationships, God? Thanks again for joining us today. The question now is what are you going to do with what you just discovered? Take a step to connect with us in person? Or perhaps choose to support the ministry of Center Church with your financial generosity? Take your next right step and visit us online at centerchurchsd.com. See you next time.